Sherry. Sherry. What? Look. Oh. We've got yeah. a guest. We have a guest. We're not alone. We are not alone. Yay. So exciting. And she is a wonderful guest. This is a good friend of ours. Her name is Kate. Thanks for joining us, Kate. You're welcome. My pleasure. It's so great to see you. Um, you know, we run into each other around town from time to time, but... When we met, we had young kids, and now our kids are grown. I mean, yours are fully grown, ours are mostly grown, but it, you know, it, it can put that feeling of, gosh, we're getting old when you think of it in that context. <laughs> well, we are. But, you, but the reason I wanted to start this way is because you still look so great. You oh. look so vibrant and healthy and young, and I'm just so impressed. Oh, you say that to all your guests. <laughs> Well, usually it's just Sherry and I. Yeah, he never says that to me. <laughs> but no, you do. You look great. If um, For our listeners, if we sound just a tad muffled, we we are all Denverites. We all live here in the same town, so we are not doing this over Zoom. Thank God. Woohoo! Something not over Zoom. But we are wearing our face coverings because, you know, that's what we're supposed to do in these days and ages. So... Uh, if you hear, if you can hear that on the podcast, none of us are being abducted and thrown into the back of a van. Yeah. We've all just got our we just have our, our face, face masks on because we're we're spread apart but together. You know, nice. you look great, Kate. As I said, you really, really do. I'm being sincere, but you've always looked that way. You've always had, and and I think this is very typical. It was the case in our case. There's never been any outward signs of trauma or calamity or anything going on. And that, like I said, that's very typical. Um, but really, you know, even when there's chaos on the inside, we can hold that together and look that way on the outside. And that's why I just think it's so important and we're so grateful that, you've, that you're willing to tell this story, that you're willing to tell your story because, you know, you've experienced the, you know, the duck that's sitting on the top of the pond looking all regal and majestic, but the feet are going nuts underneath. Yeah. So um, we, we want to start, we want to hear your story, your story as the loved one of an alcoholic, and we want to start with hearing a little bit about your relationship, your earlier relationship with alcohol, you personally. Were you, you know, did you do the experimentation in high school and the, went a little wild in college, that whole thing? How was, how, how was drinking for you at the beginning? Yeah, definitely the normal experimentation in high school. Um, and, you know, sneaking the alcohol out of the parents' cabinet and then mm. filling it up with water so they didn't catch on. And, um, yeah, it was a way on weekends to experiment and party. Um, I grew up in the Midwest. And, um, you know, then get sick and then not, you know, get it and then do it again. Yeah. The next week. <laughs> Short memories you when know. we're young. Um, yeah. And so um, I don't remember my parents really drinking uh, at all. We had a big fam- they we had a big family extended family and the only time I remember my dad drinking is every now and then on a Friday we would if we had like a fish fry he would have a beer and then he would pass it around and we could all take a sip and we okay. thought that was like the coolest thing sure so fortunately I didn't grow up with what I would now you know recognize as alcoholism so I didn't I so I didn't understand it sure but, you know 
when I finally was in it um, with my significant other. And so I think because of that, it might have taken me a little long to really realize what was going on. Yeah, that makes sense. As, yeah. as you as you moved into adulthood yourself, were, was drinking part, was it a routine for you or was it special occasion? What was drinking like for you in yeah, early adulthood? Probably I didn't, you know, I mean, on weekends, that's how everybody socializes. Yeah, you know, right. You go to a bar and um, so you drink and... Sometimes I would drink too much. There are definitely times I probably should not have been, I definitely should not have been driving a car. Um, but I did, and I just got lucky by not killing somebody and, you know, me. But during, I wouldn't find myself like every day drinking. That was not my routine. It would be pretty, pretty much for social. Sure. You know. Sure. So, so pretty typical. I mean, that's. I guess that's, so. Yeah. Unfortunately, it is typical still. Yeah. You know, that alcohol has to be the center of socializing still. That is frustrating. You know, one of the things that we've done just in recent years, even like before COVID, now it's kind of, it's kind of cool to when you want to meet up with somebody. And since we can't meet indoors, you, you go for a walk. Let, let's meet at the park and we'll go for a walk. But I remember doing that before COVID because, you know, when, when you take bars out of the mix, all you've got left is coffee shops and you can only drink so much coffee. Right. And then, you know, the idea of you want to meet somebody for business or a friend that you haven't seen in a while, um, you know, what do you do? You just feel that's one of the really hard parts about sobriety is, you know, you feel like one of your options for having friendships gets taken away from you. And that's so sad. Yeah. We've got to We've got to change that. Yeah. Maybe that'll be a lasting impact of COVID. The, the going for a walk in the park will yeah, be a thing that so. sticks and yes. holds. So many lessons we're learning to, through this stuff. Hopefully that'll be one. Now, was your husband, when when so when you're drinking occasionally on the weekends, social events, was he more of a regular? Was he drinking on, on the daily early? And we understand, you, you know, know, alcoholism usually progresses. Yeah. So maybe it started someplace differently than where it ended up. Actually, when we first met... Um, there would be this big standing joke that I could drink him under the table. Really? You know, like that he was sort of a teetotaler. Huh. And, um, and he would always comment on how he didn't drink in high school and in college. Hmm. Like he was more serious about academics and things like that. So, you know, so that was a, you know, just the way it was. Yeah. So, no. And I mean, you know, during our, you know, courtship and, and early marriage, we'd have a glass or two of wine, maybe almost every dinner, you know, again, that was just like the normal thing. Maybe not every day, I can't even recall, but it wasn't anything that was alarming to me. And he would have, he loves scotch, so he would have a scotch a lot of times in the evening after work. Sure. And, um, you know, so, so not on the radar at all. During the first part of our marriage. So, not on the radar, and you are, your lives are becoming intertwined, right? Yeah. You, you're, you're having kids. At some point, you decided to give up career aspirations to raise a family, right? Yeah. So, again, you, you, you're tying each other, tying yourselves to each other because you're becoming, you know, financially dependent on each other, yeah. right? Right. Um, but, but at, Obviously, at this point, if you didn't have any concerns, this wasn't even something you were thinking about or worrying about down the road, right? I wasn't, no. Though, though the one thing, when I look back, because you learn so much in retrospect. Sure. And when I do look back, I, there were, and what I've come to realize in addiction is that sometimes you may not even be drinking alcohol, but 
the behavior patterns are very tied to addiction brain absolutely alcoholism and so there were a lot of red flags when I met you know my now ex um, and and that was he had just gotten divorced actually and um, and he was in huge debt and there were creditors always calling and he'd be making a joke of it and of course his first the demise of his first marriage was all her fault mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, so I just believed him I mean he was educated he had a you know a post-grad degree and felt like he could be a good provider I mean that's what I think women kind of look for is can somebody keep me safe yeah you know and but but he and he didn't have a job and you know he had quit two jobs within the two weeks of two years of his first marriage so all of those things should have been a little bit of more of a red flag for me but I just was like I never was lied to in my life yeah like that just wasn't part of my DNA right and, and so I just <clears throat> and it was so convincing what, that you didn't know you were being lied to then either right? yeah yeah, yeah. And, and he was very good at yeah. what he did. So I've come to realize that, you know, that behavior pattern was part of, even though I didn't see him falling down drunk, it was part of which I, what I wish I would have known back then, that red flag, you know. Yeah. And, um, and so the pattern was that, and I had a good corporate job, you know, it was in corporate management, and so, so we... And even with, you know, courting and when are we going to get married, you know, that whole thing. Like, I never really had a, he never really got down on a knee and asked me to marry him. It was sort of just like, is this going to happen or do I move on? You know, just that type of thing. And again, that should have been a red flag. But then I realized, well, he doesn't have any money and that's probably why he's not getting me a ring. You know, all, you just justify away everything because you want this other outcome. Yeah. And, um which we all do, you know, and sure. I still do sometimes at certain, in certain things. But, um, so, you know, got married, I had to, you know, liquidate a lot of my stock to pay for a wedding. Okay. And, um, and, and then, you know, I was pretty much the major breadwinner had the, um, the, uh, insurance and all of that. Okay. And, and it wasn't until I got pregnant with my first child and I realized that I did I'd, I would like to stay home with my children. Sure. And we both agreed that that would be a good thing. And then he finally, like, I think it was eight months pregnant, finally landed a full-time job. Okay. And so I went on a leave. And then fast, you know, and then a year and a half later, I had we had a second baby and I was on a, still on a leave. Um, but then realized I... You know, to go back to work was going to take most of my salary to pay for somebody for to take care, care of the kids, yeah. and so then I, I, so I, um, I, you know, left my work and became full time mom. And for the first eight years, it was great. He had a job. We had enough. You know, I never wanted a lot of stuff. But anyway, he first eight years was good, and then he that job ended. And so the the pattern, I don't want to get into too much detail, but the pattern after that was he would get work and then it would last not too long and then he would get fired, but he would say he quit. And um, and then the next job would come up. And then he, again, his, his craft in justifying things was incredible. Um, and he would just say, well, in my line of work, it's very rare that you keep these jobs for a long time because yeah. yeah. people get mad at you, blah, blah, blah. 
So no. in between those times of no job and, oh, my God, we got two kids, and then we had a third on the way, it was like, oh, my God, you know, and I couldn't take a full breath, and then he would get something, and I could breathe for a while, right. you know. Was was alcohol playing a role in the, the losing of the jobs? Yeah, uh, now that I look back, probably, right? But I Isn't still... Isn't it amazing, though? But, you, but at the time... Yeah. I mean, same thing, same thing right. for us. There was so much... So much denial. Right. I, I got. I didn't. And I didn't even do it intentionally. But I got so good at covering parts of it up. Um, yeah. And that, not only covering up, but saying, "Oh no, I got this down the road, and this is going to happen, and it's going to be okay." You know? Yeah. So. Um, and the, you know, we did start to argue a little bit more. You know, because life was just stressful. Three sure. kids. You know, in between jobs. But you know, each time, you know, he would get something, and most of the time, land something that was a little bit better. And so I thought that that's just the pattern. Yeah, know, that's sure. just how it happens. Um, and then, and, you know, I can't really recall that, at what point in time that I was now thinking, is he? Like, but it would be little things like we would go to a movie or we would go to theater or sometimes even a rock concert. And every time he'd fall asleep, I'd look over and he was out. Yeah. And I'm like... Wow. I mean, I get a movie if it's boring, but a rock concert? Matt fell asleep at a Bare Naked Ladies concert. Yeah. And I was like, I know it was Friday night, right. but I got up and worked and, you know, was yeah. there too. So how could... Yeah. yeah. yeah so, that's very typical. you know, and then he would be, you know, we'd have a conversation at the dinner table with the kids and then, you know, he would repeat himself a lot and like say something that he just said like a half hour ago or he would ask a question of something that I just was talking about and he would ask a question and I said we just talked about that you know it was stuff like that so my father um, got very early Alzheimer's in the 70s before they really knew what it was and so I saw his behavior patterns as possibly that sure so I'm think so I said to him I think you need to go get checked because I'm afraid Sure. You know, you're showing these signs, like some of the things you're doing, I'm, that's not normal. No, 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 I'm not going to, you know, I'm fine. It's just that it was boring. And, the, the, you know, the funny thing is, is that with theater and movies, he would be sleeping during a lot of it. And then he would have the biggest opinion on how it was. Huh. Mm. You know, whether it was stupid it. and or it was a, you know, this was, it, I hate that I hated this movie. It was, you know. And all of that, and so I was just thought I, I I I always thought it was just his personality, you know. That's just his personality, and um, that makes so much sense to me, though, from the perspective of you wake up and you're a little embarrassed, and and then all of a sudden to make up for that, yeah, you've got to. It's yeah. <clears throat> you know we we uh, attended a party at the neighbors across the street, and they they there were a lot of people at the party that were younger than us, and I went out on the front porch and I was hanging out with all the young bucks. And I had had a lot to drink, and I fell asleep on the porch swing. And when I woke up and came to, and nobody was out there, and I was like mortified. The next day, I got up at like seven in the morning and mowed the lawn uh-huh. because I wanted the neighbors to see me mowing the lawn. I wanted them to think, "Oh, he's clearly, hey, honey, look, Matt's not an alcoholic. He's out there mowing the lawn at yeah. seven o'clock in the morning." Uh-huh. It was all just to, <clears throat> yeah. you know, throw this perception of everything's normal, everything's yeah. fine. Which, in the end, you know, took a lot of effort. Oh, a ton you know, of effort. And it's like probably so much effort that, you know, other things fall 
by the wayside, sure. like employment or, you know, whatever. Absolutely. It's because you're spending a lot of your time and the more and more I would imagine you drink, the more of those stories you have to develop and, and, and defend and come up with. So takes a lot of energy and you that. think you think everyone I mean it's one thing in a relationship where clearly the person that you're living with you know is seeing the things that are going on but I would even you know if I didn't if I hadn't seen anyone someone for six months but the last time I saw them was at a neighborhood party and I knew I had had too much to drink I would be so worried when I first went up to say hello to this person for fear of what they were gonna say or think you know, the reality is everyone is so concerned with their own lives. That person didn't remember seeing right. me six months ago right. at all. But I was just, you are, you're just so concerned with appearances. And that's one of the reasons, you know, we talk a lot about how it's a family disease because the whole family gets roped into this. Let's keep up appearances. Let's right. keep it looking, looking yeah. on the up and up. Oh, his family still does to this day. Like they don't really contact me and... I had slipped up and I, I assumed his stepfather knew that he had a drinking problem, but evidently they didn't tell. They were in separate states. Sure. Um, and I was on the, having a conversation and that came up and it, it, it was in the context of the conversation that I said, yeah, I know he's a great guy, but you know, it's too bad this you know, alcoholism just takes over. And evidently the stepdad, his stepdad is you know, 25 years his stepdad wasn't told oh. and the, the family siblings were specifically keeping it from them so they got mad at me yeah that I you know slipped up but I just called my sponsor and said how do I respond to this because I didn't do it on purpose yeah and the thing is is it is a fact you know well, the, uh, I mean uh, it's it's such it's the saddest component of this whole thing the fact that we don't talk about it yes everything's hushed whispers right right and even with friends, going back to, you know, friends and you're saying that they don't really care about, you know, they, they, they have their own life. Exactly. I did find that over time I noticed that a lot of our friends wouldn't call us to do stuff mm. with, you know. And, um, and, and, I, and I also came to find out in retrospect that my kids knew way more oh, than I mm. let on, that I was trying to protect them from. That you part's know? amazing, isn't it? And so I think the friends just sort of defriended this us couple because mm -hmm. they weren't really comfortable with and they didn't they didn't know that Doug was an alcoholic but they just didn't like the behavior yeah you know patterns I guess that's one of the things I think was a fallout sure of the hiding and the you know deception and all of that of this disease absolutely um, people do catch on and even though if they are not clear as to what it is they're like there's something off yeah. you know yeah and that's sad it is for everybody involved. So when did you first have kind of an aha moment? When did you suspect that yeah. there was actually some trouble here? Besides um, potentially Alzheimer's, right? Because, you know, you're thinking it might be A when really it's B. When did you start to right. think it was B? Um, I, don't, I don't clearly remember a specific time. You know, again, there was all these little things like he would, he would snore terribly and when I was realizing between these jobs that I was going back to work and, you know, trying to bring in money too, along with being a full-time mom and all that, um, I, I was noticing that, um, where was my thought process going here? Well, we just... Well, when, when you started it. to notice oh, yeah. that there was... So, so things like, you know, he would snore terribly. And so I would say to him, I, you know, I don't think it's good for you. I'm a researcher. I said, you know, you're probably not getting good sleep. Maybe that's why you're falling asleep every time mm -hmm. you go to a movie and all that. 
and asked if he would go get, you know, that checked out. And of course, he would reflect it back to me saying, well, every now and then you snore too. And I just stuck it up. Mm. And I'm like, I said to him, well, thank you for letting me know that I'm going to go get that checked out because I know it's not good for my health or yours, Mm -hmm. you know. And of course, he never did that. And over time, when I was going to work and I had to be performing um, as a teacher, I needed sleep. So sure. I said to him, either you go get help or I've got to move out of this bedroom and get sleep. Yeah. You know, and of course, he was not happy about that and sad, this and that. And I don't know when it was. I guess it was um, that that he, you know, I, I would find a vodka bottle. You know, that's a classic you sure. know, story of all the hidden empty vodka bottles everywhere. And so I think I probably started to find one, like maybe in his briefcase and say, you know, why do you have vodka in your briefcase? Mm -hmm. And he would always have these literally elaborate stories to tell me about a person from work. And she was afraid her husband was drinking too much. So she asked me to hold this vodka bottle and she took it out of her house. And that's what you tell your parents in high school. Yeah, I know. And, I'm just holding it you for know, a friend. And it's like, why wouldn't she just take it and dump it Throw down it out. the sink? You yeah. know, like, but I would believe it. You know, I would be yeah. like, it's such an elaborate story. Like, how do you not believe that? And so it was, you know, then as I started to call him on too much drinking or hiding it is when we sort of stopped openly drinking. You know, like I just stopped drinking because I, you know, became a yoga teacher and I had... I just didn't feel good when I was doing it. And so then I think that maybe it might be when he started to hide it because he needed it and was uncomfortable drinking openly alone. Um, That could have been it. I don't really know. But And then we started counseling because he was saying that the reason why he's drinking is because he's sad because he's doesn't he loves me and but we don't have he's not satisfied with his physical relationship sure and as and it sort of simultaneously happened when I would know that he was lying to me is when I was pulling away emotionally because it was like somebody's lying to me he's lying to my face yeah and you know there were a couple times that you know things got really aggressive that I got scared you know when when he we had this argument and you know a couple times he pushed me and that freaked me out sure and one time I just left the house and went to you know stay at a friend's house that night and I was like okay this isn't normal behavior oh yeah you know and it's, so it's amazing the because the same thing happened to us as it relates to the physical relationship Sherry started to withdraw yeah and because she didn't like the person she was living no. with. I mean, that's that's not hard to figure out. That's pretty natural. Yeah. But the more she was um, less into me, the more I, you know, I felt that I needed more. And right. I mean, it's a vicious cycle. And I think Sherry, you knew that alcohol was, you know, the problem far earlier than I did. I mm-hmm. I wanted to look at anything else under the sun, including just you're a bitch. So yeah. clearly, that this is your problem. Is it's your fault that. Yeah. We have this problem in our intimate relationship. Yeah. I definitely called you out like very early on of our first, you know, probably our first few months of living together just because I didn't grow up in a household where there was a lot of alcohol, but my father was an alcoholic, but they were divorced. And so my mom and her family, they didn't drink. And actually, I don't recall a lot of my father's family and siblings drinking. So it was just kind of his isolated incident. 
So I was definitely very suspicious and I thought, this just doesn't seem right drinking a couple drinks every night after work just because you got home from the office, you know. Mm. Like that just didn't settle well with me and it just didn't... And I, I always use drinking as being a social event that you did together, not just Matt and I sitting around having wine. Right. You know, with dinner. Yeah. That, like, that didn't do anything for me either. I wanted to, like, if I was going to drink, I wanted to be out with a lot of people right. and dancing or, you know, going Did to it a concert. change his personality, you know, that he, you could, you know, that you didn't like? Yes. Yeah. Yes. He became, like... He kind of became this, like, showman. Like, he had to have everybody's look at me, look at me sort of attention some of the times. Like, when we were out, but then when we would come home, he would be, like, moody and sulky and whiny in a way. It was like he didn't get exactly what he wanted emotionally. So then he became, like, the opposite and broody. And Yeah. um, I, I don't necessarily know if we weren't being called on by friends going out. I feel like... With just our lifestyle with the bakery and the three to four kids, we were just too busy and too tired. Yeah, three to four, you said that like you're not sure. Well, I mean, like, depending on, like, when when, when we started, like, falling out of (laughs) doing things more socially. Sure. You know, because, like, we had little kids and then finding a babysitter. But then when we would go out, like, I didn't like who he was. So I would sometimes have, you know, opportunities and invitations and I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell him because I didn't want to go. Uh huh. Yeah. I didn't want to. Because you were afraid of I just like didn't, what would happen. Yeah. I just didn't know there what was going to happen. or when we got back and right. we would keep drinking. Yeah. Because you, you know, I mean, there were times that you fell asleep on the front porch of our front porch, you yeah. know. I did. In the car. So I just, I kind of just stopped yeah. wanting and to go. And so I think as a, as a woman, for me anyway, it's like, why would I want to have an intimate relationship with that? Yeah. yeah. You know, like, like who that was that. It was just this natural wall that you put up to protect yourself, you know, against that. You know what's funny, too, from the side of the alcoholic? You don't realize that's happening. You, re- you know something's wrong, and you're not, you're not willing to blame the alcohol on the problem. But I didn't realize that she was becoming less and less attracted to me. I just thought we had, you know, problems. I'm doing air quotes, right? Yeah, grown apart. I don't know what problems are. That's just what adults have when they get into their 40s. Right. And I didn't realize, no, no, she's just becoming repulsed with me. And that that never, it never entered my mind. I always thought I could still charm her pants off if I wanted to. I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't work hard enough at it. I didn't realize, no, she was literally um, wanting to be anywhere but with me. Yeah. Um, well, and my ex t- took that to another level and blamed me for the drinking because I wasn't, you know, as he said, I was lying to him because I wasn't, you know, um, the con- uh, uh, making good on the contract of our marriage. Mm. And I'm like, so where in there was it you have to have sex with me no matter what? Yeah. You know? Oh, I, I think I've used and, the contract of yeah. marriage. And so me being me, at the, you know, when this was happening in the middle of the marriage, I was thinking, okay, well, I'm in menopause and I don't, maybe it's, I need to go get something. And I would go to a doctor and say, okay, how do I up my libido? Sure. You know? And not realizing that I was just not attracted yeah. to him anymore, and I didn't want to tell him that because I didn't think that that was nice. <laughs> oh, it well, and you kind of feel sure. bad because you're like, yeah, maybe I am having all these hormonal shifts and changes. Yeah, so maybe that's part of why I don't want to be right. intimate with you right, because right. it's just not all your drinking, and you right, don't want right. to be mean. But yeah. you're, so you're trying to find another reason. 
Right. So then, like, oh, you know. Yeah. And then um, his idea was, uh, let's go for counseling, right? Let's go set to a sex therapist. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. So like a little lamb being led to slaughter, you know, I go to the sex therapist with him and all the things oh, that the slaughter, she like that. was, you know, uh, you know, uh, suggesting I'm like, okay, I mean, I guess I could try that, you know, I guess we could do that. But it was like, I didn't, wasn't realizing that I just was not attracted to drunk husband. Yeah. You know? Did that ever come up during your therapy sessions um, with this, that, that there was drinking involved and you just didn't like, like for Matt, he drank beer uh-huh. and, and a couple times he drank like a few times, especially when he was in um, the steel industry, he drank scotch and did the whole scotch and cigars. And I'd be like, don't even come in here. But yeah. that wasn't when he was an alcoholic, active alcoholic. But I was like, your breath is so gross. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I can't even stand. And so then I, did that ever like come up during the discussion? Um, so the it came up, I guess maybe in subtle ways because um, one of the things that, things that was not only you know psychologically repulsive for me, you know, just with the lying and the lack of trust, was his body started to smell really bad. Yeah, and I Comes was out our pores. I, it? it does, yeah. you know. And even though he, you know, used mouthwash and all of that kind of stuff, it was just like there's something that smells bad. <laughs> Yeah. And I, but I was like, I was nervous to talk about that, but I, that, that kind of thing would come out Mm -hmm. and then, you know, and then, so the counselor would say, well, there's essential oils that we can use and this and that. And I, and I, we tried, and then we tried counseling separately and then tried counseling together. And then when I knew that alcohol was an issue, I said to him, I, you need to go to a licensed LAC, a licensed alcohol or addiction counselor. Which he did, and he went for, you know, years, and I, you know, he just kept reporting that his counselor did not think he was an alcoholic, that he was just sad, and that's how he, you know, would would handle it, you know, but he so was an alcoholic. Of course, that was coming out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Did you ever attend with him? Once, and he took over the conversation, because it was my counselor that said, how about if we meet, you know, together? Yeah. Yeah. And we did that once, and it was such a disaster. And he was he just was trying to so keep angry. you from reporting? Oh yeah, the kind of the truth. Oh, and when I would say stuff like that, he you know get, he was getting really angry. So yeah. that was just a one time thing. And and even the things that as we went as a couple, you know the steps that they tell you to do the circle thing and all that kind of stuff. He'd be like, that's just bullshit. You yeah, know? you know. And, and so I feel like I just have, I kept trying, but I had this other thing about me that I just didn't want to be around him. And I wasn't understanding why, and I wasn't understanding that he was drunk. Yeah. And, um, so it was, it was painful for a long time. I mean, 33 years. Yeah. And, um, so, um, you know, and then, and again, the blame game, and I'm learning that there's a lot of they try to deflect. They're either they're either heroes or or they're victims, and yeah. most of the time they're the victim. You know, like when he got his first DUI, a friend of his um, had a, a bad accident, and and so he was, and then he went to a meeting, like a, a evening meeting, um, the, a dinner meeting. And that's when he got his DUI because um, he had said, and he blamed it on the server because he said the server kept filling up my wine glass. 
And I just said to him, well, it was up to you whether you reached reached for it and put it it. to your mouth. Yeah. I mean, were they sitting there with your mouth open and pouring it down? You know, and he's like, no, but I was like, so in this state of, you know, you know, um, uh, you know, sadness that I just wasn't even thinking about it. You know, again, stories. I I used to say, I used to say, oh, you know, I'm at this business meeting with clients and I've got to keep the conversation going so I'm not paying attention to what yeah. I'm doing I'm, I'm worried about what this person is saying what this person keeping right. it going I mean that was one of my excuses yeah. for continuing to to over consume right when you know you and I talked a couple of weeks ago and the term gaslighting came up and you know you, you said that that was a term that you had really just heard for the first time six or so months ago yeah but that was a really aha kind it of was. moment. It was to, like, why didn't somebody tell me that this exists like 20 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> so I could recognize maybe, yeah. you know, what was going on. And I don't know if gaslighting, it just refers to, I'm, I'm sure it doesn't just refer to alcoholics trying to lie, you know, mm-hmm. but it's about lying, you know, and making the other person feel like they're crazy, which I did a lot. Oh, there's something wrong with me. I need to fix it, you yeah. know, because this is my fault. Yeah. And that's what they love because yeah. I'm right in the, you know, right in that trap where they want us to be and their addiction is protected. Yeah. You know, so that did, went on for... Did you ever participate in the protection of the addiction? Not, obviously, obviously not on purpose, but through, you know, they we talk about this as a family disease and we're trying to protect the family secret and yeah. that's why I mow the lawn at 7 o'clock right, in the morning. Right, right, right. Did, did, were you trying to keep up appearances even while chaos was ensuing? Mm. Do you have a feel for that? I I don't recognize. I don't recall that specifically. Probably I did that with my kids. You know, like my son seeing something unsavory that you know that he noticed and his dad didn't see him doing it, and he came home to me crying. And so I would say, "Oh, it probably is." Blah blah. blah you know, and I would try to explain it away to the kids sure okay as a mom trying to protect the kids right and you know so I did that for a while but once it was pretty far in advance when um I had we had just one family member here that had kids you right and so with holidays we tried to get together with the only family that we have sure here and there came a time where they said that they were not comfortable with having my ex come but you can come but I, we don't want him and I, that took me back, and I sure. said, why? And so she grew up, the wife grew up with alcoholism in her family, and she was clearly recognizing it wow. in him when I wasn't. Wow. And so she shared that with me. And that, so that was another little red flag of, uh-oh, you know, wow, this is, yeah. this is getting bad, you know. Yeah. Um, and so... But that, those are really, and, and with friends, you know, not really. I mean, I, I mean, I guess sometimes I would say, oh, it's just his, you know, it's just his personality. Yeah. Um, and even though I didn't like it either. But, yeah. you know, um, and, and so I would, I recognize that I just, and everything happened so slowly. It was almost like, you know, beginning of the marriage, there's, you know, everybody has peaks and valleys, you know. And hopefully the peaks are higher and more uh, more frequent than the valleys. And I noticed over time that the valleys got a little bit more frequent and deeper. Yeah. And when when that pattern starts to happen is when it just doesn't feel good. Oh, yeah. Right. And then, you know, 
I knew there were times where I said to myself, I, you know, I'd ask him to get help, you know, after one of, you know, his DUI. And then he would have periods of time where he'd be sorrowful and write me a letter saying, I mean, I guess if everybody's telling me that I have a drinking problem, I must be an alcoholic. I looked at that initially saying, okay, at least he recognizes it, but he didn't. Yeah. Those words, I must be, it yeah. wasn't I am. Yeah. Right? And so all those little, just the little, you know, um, those little things just added up, and but nothing was glaring. Well, it, right? you know, again, this goes back to how poorly informed we are as a society about this disease because... Yes. I remember being in that same position where I'd, I'd take these internet surveys, right? I, you'd, you'd, am I an alcoholic? You Google that, and, and there's no shortage of surveys that'll that'll pop pop up for you. And I'd answer 20 questions, and I would answer yes to 10 and no to 10. And well, that didn't help because yeah. now I'm still confused. Right. And then and then you compare yourself to the person that's sleeping under the bridge, and you, well, I'm not that person. Right. I don't drink in the morning. Right. You know, so it's so easy to justify your way out of it, and. I mean, I spent a decade going back and forth. It was the worst, you know, uh, mental gymnastics I can even imagine. I would never want that, wish that on my worst enemy. Um, and so, you know, we've just got to understand as a society, but that there's nothing aspirational about drinking. If it's no. if it's not serving you, stop doing right. it. You don't. Right. I call myself an alcoholic. I own that label because I want to take the power out of the label. But I don't care what you call yourself. If you don't think you're an alcoholic, that's fine. You're still better off not drinking. It doesn't matter where you are in life yeah. or what you're doing. If it's causing you any problems at all, and especially if you're thinking about it when you're not drinking, that, for me, that's another sign. Either right. you're you're feeling bad about what you did the last time you drank or you can't wait till you get to drink the next time. Right. If you're thinking about when you're not drinking, I got news for you. Yeah. Um, it, I've also heard that if it's a problem, if you don't think it's a problem, but there's people in your life that feel it's a problem, then you're an alcoholic. Well, I was just going to say, those internet um, questions about, are you an alcoholic and you take them? Well, for one, the alcoholic isn't going to be totally honest Yeah, with themselves right. because they don't even really know... How to do that. How to do that. And yeah. they don't know the problems they're causing because a lot of us loved ones are holding it inside. Right. So what you need to do is you need to find that. That needs to be an article. Are you an alcoholic? Take this 20 questionnaire you know to the loved one or your significant yeah. other and have them fill it out right. because well, but, it out. but so the problem with that right is that we as alcoholics think that we're married that we're to crazy, crazy people, people. yeah exactly. what, what has happened to this woman that i i fell yeah, in love right. with she's now crazy right yeah. yeah so oh it's it's such a terrible terrible yeah cycle. and it is a societal it's a it's an epidemic it's an epidemic no and it's there's a reason why you know women in the when it, when it when was it 20s or 30s you know that suffered the women that were trying to get alcohol illegalized because yeah. all of their you know loved ones were their husbands mostly were coming home drunk yeah. every day you know and they were realizing this is not good yeah and, but Absolutely. you know, it's it's, it's, yeah. it's legal, and it's not only legal, but it's like you're ostracized when you don't have a drink. That's you know? a huge problem. And Pe mm -hmm. people don't realize, you know, addiction works chemically the same in your brain, pretty much no matter what the substance is. There are things that target different neurotransmitters. I mean, there's subtle differences, right? Right. But by and large, all the addictive substances work the same. The one glaring difference is, Kate, do you have any friends that are like? Why don't you come over on Friday night, sit on my porch, and we'll do some meth together? Yeah. No, no it's, it's wine, right? It's so, yeah. a bottle of wine because it's glamorous it's, and it's right. grown and it's right. natural. That's another thing that I like. 
you know, when people be like, oh, it's natural, it's in the Bible, it's, right. you know, it's the same stuff wasn't in the Bible. That was also because they didn't have refrigeration, you know? Right. Like, it's... The thing is, though, I think with alcohol, if you don't have that tendency or you don't have that gene, mm-hmm. um, it is, I love a half a glass of wine with, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a, a meal. And one of the other, speaking of which, one of the other you know, red flags that I should have seen is that if we were due to do that when we were dating and we were married, go out to dinner, order a glass of wine, maybe a second. And I wouldn't finish my, you know, it as we're leaving and he's standing up, he mm-hmm. could not leave that yeah, there. He I would couldn't either. down it you know? and down it. And you're like, I've sipped on it during my meal. And right. you just chug right. half a glass of wine. Right. Gross. Right. Yeah. And like I always thought for him, for me that he was like a cheapskate. So he didn't, mm-hmm. he wanted to get his money's worth. And that's why he was yeah. doing that. You know, all these stories I would tell myself. Number one, just because I wanted to be in a marriage, I had children, I had fear that how I have to stay in this marriage, how am I going to be by myself, how, how am I going to handle, you know, three kids by myself, you know, all of those things play into justification of all of this. Well, let, let's talk a little bit more about that. So you, you talked at the beginning about how, you know, you got to the point when you were pregnant, you basically gave up your career to raise children. Your lives became more and more intertwined. You were kind of um, inextricably linked. How does that feel when you're no longer attracted to your spouse and you're realizing alcohol, this is more than a little issue. This is a big yeah. deal. And your lives are still intertwined like that. Tell us, tell us when you kind of came to that realization and how did that feel? Over time, many times, you know, th- things would get a little bit better than they wouldn't. But it, I would say the main um um, emotions that I would feel is frustration and fear. So fear dictates a lot, sure. right? And I rem- I was thinking I've got to fix this and make this work. So I realized that I probably, and I know that I probably became way over controlling, sure, more so than I ever would have being in a you know in a normal non-alcoholic relationship because I had to have some kind of control of something absolutely right so it was for me it was that fear of I'm stuck here I've got to make this work out yeah you know so I have to do whatever it is that I can do did you did you still have at this point were you hoping that you could fix him yeah yeah I was hoping that maybe he'd go to you know and when he got his DUI, you know, then, then he would, you know, he was going to a program and then he went to another sort of week long program that, and what, what's crafty I think about, um, him is that he does go to counseling and he does go to these meetings once a month or two, or once every other month with this group that, of this five day program that he went to. And I, and I almost think, I mean, he's very social. So I almost think for him, it was like he, then he could say to people, I'm getting help. Yeah. Right. But he's still not realizing that I have to not drink ever again. And so that the mental gyrations of, of that, and you say I look young and good now, but you should have seen me two years ago. I looked so much older, and oh, I, I was. I'm sure. So takes such a toll. Drained sure. emotionally because, and then and then also and also your kids. So for those that are going through this and have a family and children, there's such a distraction, mm-hmm. right? So it just elongates the process because you're like, I've, mm-hmm. I've got to stay in this because I have too much other stuff to deal with, you know, and. 
yeah, things would be good and they would be bad, and you just justify it as like that's just marriage, you know, that's that's just what happens. Isn't in that marriage. the truth? And but it with a with an alcohol, you know, an alcoholic, it's way different. You know, there's different dysfunction, and it's dysfunction. It's I, not. I remember a coworker. This is gonna. I'm gonna try to tell this story, but it, it's it's a little convoluted. She got a voicemail from the wife of another of our coworkers who meant to leave the voicemail for him and he accidentally she accidentally left it on this this other woman that I worked with voicemail and she calls me over and she says you got to listen to this and we we listened and you know the the description on the voicemail was of a alcoholic marriage it was of a terribly traumatic situation and my, my coworker said what do we do you know this is awful this is so not normal i remember her using those words this is not normal. And this woman had 15 years on me. She'd been married for a long time at this point. And uh, I looked at her and I thought, I didn't say this, but I thought, oh, she doesn't think that's normal because that's what my life is like. Yeah. That's what and my relationship with my wife is like. And I, I was just stunned. I thought, I just like you said, I thought this thing that we're living through, this is just marriage. Yeah. yeah is it hell on earth? Yeah, but it's just marriage. This is yeah. what everybody's dealing right, with. Right, right. Yeah. I, no I remember she was like... The, the language that she used and the things that she said to him, you just don't say that to your husband. Right. And I thought, oh, I've said it. Yeah. And I mean it a lot of times. Right, right, You right. know? Yeah. Yeah. Such a, just, it's such a lonely place. Well, that's that's what I wanted to ask next. Did, did you feel, so, you know, you're coming to this realization, all of this, you know, it's all kind of unraveling for you, but you're trying to hold it together. Did you have any support at this point? Did, or did you feel like you're the only one in the world that's going through this? Um, I had I had support of friends, but I felt over time that they were tired of hearing the same complaints. Okay. You know, um, from me. You know, so like divorce it was either like, it you know, that old saying, well, either S or get off the pot. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I'd be like, but it's just so much more complicated than that. You know, mm-hmm. it's not easy. You know, again, I was filled with fear. Like, sure. how am I going to do this? Where where am I going to be able to afford to live and have ki- my kids with me? You right. know, like, I just, I couldn't see that. Like, yeah. and um, so, so again, all of this happens over a period of time. What I wish would have happened, but things come when they need to come is that I wish I would have had a program like yours or a program like Al-Anon to walk into a lot earlier. Right. Because then I could recognize it. But I remember I did walk into a meeting way early on. I went to two or three meetings, and it was like, no, this isn't me. And, like, why am I here? I'm not the alcoholic, you know. But these were Al-Anon meetings or AA meetings? Al-Anon. Okay. Yeah, for me. Sure. And And I took my son with me because... What I finally recognized over time is that the kids were older, they were being subjected to the same thing. The where, gaslighting. You know, son had some liquor in his room that he got from a friend, and all of a sudden half was gone, and then he, you know, accused his dad, and then the, the lies that, uh, oh, I just had my friends here, and they probably were doing it. They were doing this. It was just like these elaborate lies, and yeah. I started to see how my kids were, now that I know the gaslighting, my kids were being gaslighted, and they were just like children. I mean, they were young adults, you know, yeah. at this point in time. And But again, my thought process is hold it together. You know, I want them to have a place to live, a family home of 29 years. You right, know, they right. were... 
that was their home, you know, and I was like, uh, I grew up with being able to stay in my home until I decided to leave it, mm -hmm. you know, and I wanted that for my kids. So, you know, again, with, you know, things started to, 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 to spiral. I found more vodka bottles, you know, I would do the accusation. I would literally see him drinking out of the trunk of his car and he would deny it. To like, the end, like degree. your eyes don't work right. Right. Like at this point, this yes. is how serious the denial yeah. has to be. Yeah. 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 So you know, over t over time, so my kids are now older. Both two of the two of them are out of the house already. Third one is just about to be just out of college, and she, you know, ends up with you know. Anyway, so she decides right from college to just go. She didn't want to live. I mean, because we. But she suffered the brunt of it because we were really at it, and he was pretty active during her formative years. And so she, it affected her sure. deeply. And so she had no wanting to come back to live in the house with us. And so she was on her own. And, um, you know, again, it was, you know, my, my oldest daughter was getting married. They were very nervous about him coming to the mm. wedding. And they were saying, you must go to rehab. You know, he finally did research, checked himself in, pretended he was still there, would call his kids and me from rehab to say how it was. And in the end, they offered family counseling at this place. So uh -huh. I thought, well, maybe we ought to do that yeah. as a family. So I called them and wanted to schedule a time. And, and I remember the calls, you know, that... Monday morning and it was the counselor that called me back and she said I mean I have to tell you that he is not here yeah so he was pretending he was there but I don't know where he was but yeah. calling and you know so all of that gaslighting oh, just yeah. to protect his addiction and the, the you know the ability to have a drink and I, you know at this point in time I still couldn't have empathy for what that felt like uh -huh. I mean I couldn't imagine craving something so incredible that you give everything up but that's what alcoholism does to millions of people yeah, right absolutely. I'm no different and so um, you know and then you know he's always sorrowful sure. you know always like I'm so sorry I'm really going to try I'm going to go do this now and you know and that but there was the the tipping point. That's where we're going to next. You're like reading my questions. Yeah. Can you well, read upside down? You're uh, good. Sometimes I think the stories are all the same. Indeed. You know, unfortunately. A few, few different details, but yeah. otherwise they're all the same. Yeah. But I remember clearly it was, you know, one night and I was looking for a, a cord for my computer and I didn't know where mine was. So I went into his briefcase and there was still a bottle of vodka. And I, I just was done. You know, and I just remember looking at my left hand and just taking my wedding band and slipping it off, saying, I'm done. Wow. And I put it in my jewelry box and never put it back on again. Wow. I don't even think he noticed for the longest time, but that was when I said, I've got to move on. I've got to push through this fear. Yes. I can do it. And, um... Um, so that's when it was, uh, you know, that was when it was done. And actually, shortly before that um, was the holidays, and my kids were all over, and my two, um, two of my three, I was having a conversation with them, and, you know, again, my mind is, let's protect, keep this marriage together. I want to be a good role model. I'm not going to just leave, you know. 
And in the end, my kids were the ones that said to me, why are you staying with yeah. us? And I realized for my girls, what kind of a role model am I? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah take the abuse and yeah. just stick with it and suck it up. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was doing yeah. for them. And so that's when I decided that that helped me then to slip that wedding band off. And it's almost say, like your kids gave you permission to leave. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that was important. Yeah. And it was also very sad for me because it's like, you know, and then over time stories came out from when they were in middle school and high school and the stuff that they would find that I didn't even know about, yeah. you know. So they all knew. Your kids know. They do. And, and when you don't, when you think you're, them. when you think you're protecting them, the best thing you can do to protect them is to talk to them yes. and be honest right, right. and say, this is something we've dealt with yeah. and let's, let's make sure that the cycle so, ends here. Yeah. Tell, tell us about um, what's, what's the relationship with the kids like for you now? Amazing. Like, so close. I can see that you're smiling so, even through that mask. Yeah. <laughs> That's- yeah, I mean, I feel so, even through all of this stuff, you know, I mean, we, in the end, we also had to sell the our house because we were in debt in so many different ways. Sure. That it was like, this is time. I am done. Kids are safely, you know, away and you know, have to sell the house, family house. It's like, it's just a house, you know, just keep it, you know, just keep that in perspective. And, um, you know, I, so being transparent, you know, transparent. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're, when they're young, if they're, it's hard for them sometimes to, but, but now they're, they've been my rock and, um, you know, they've, because they're adults, you know, again, my ex keeps trying to interfuse. Why are you, why aren't you telling me about what the kids are doing? And I'm like, your, your relationship with them is separate than mine. That's your relationship. And don't blame me if you're not getting, but still, there's still blame to this day, you know, that, you know, because I'm not saying what he wants me to tell them so that they like him is my fault. Yeah. Right. And it's hard to, you know, to to not take that blame and to, but to set your boundaries. Yeah. So, I, I have a list of like ten things of recommendations that I would make. Yeah, if, you know what? Um, like, like about your program and what, so what you do what, for yourself. What kind of I, you know, just for for people out there that are going through this. I don't want to say just women, but in my world, it's a lot more women going through this than, than men having, you know, their wives as alcoholics, but that's definitely the case, you know? And, um, so if you find yourself questioning anything, just follow your gut, your intuition, no instincts over insecurities is what we say. And it's sometimes so hard to listen to yourself, right? Because of the fear and the, not wanting it to be. I mean, you love these people. You know, you came into a, a marriage loving these people and still love these people, but then hate them. You know, it's like so, such a mind, I won't use the other word, but sure. mind bender, you know. Um, um, and so so just listen to your gut you, and know your gut is correct. You know, Kate, we couldn't agree with you more. One of the most amazing parts of what Sherry and I do now for me, for me as the alcoholic has been, I mean, I, I know this has been helpful for you too, Sherry, but to hear these same stories over and over yeah. and, the, and the number of people that felt like 
um, you know, they thought they were crazy for some period of time and they thought maybe it was their problem. Right, or maybe it'll change. All of know, that. Maybe it will. That but. totally <laughs> has solidified in me, you know, even when I got sober, I still wondered, well, maybe some of it was her fault. I don't know, maybe. Yeah. And so I think a lot of alcoholics in early sobriety, they still wonder, did I really have to quit? You know, maybe my wife is a bitch. I'm not sure. No, 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 no. I've yeah. heard it literally hundreds of times now. Um, and a hun- hundreds of times telling the same story, they're not all, all the women in the wor- world are not crazy. Right. It's the alcohol. The alcohol is the you problem. You know, it's funny that you say that because to this day, uh, one thing that my ex, you know, my, my, my qualifier, I guess you call him, just so wants me to hear is tell me, just share with me what your part in this was. Mm. Like, you've got to take part of the blame, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm working on that, you know? I'm working on that I became too controlling, that maybe I allowed you to to go as long as you did without making taking a step, you know, yeah. being brave and taking a step to say, but I'm see, out. But see, here. it would be great if he could recognize that he doesn't even have to own all the blame. He can blame the alcohol yeah. and the disease. And that's, I mean, you got you yeah. got to own the repercussions of your DUI, right? right? right, right. And you got to own your repercussions of the divorce. But you don't have to own, like, there doesn't have to be guilt. Like, yeah. this is a, a mind-warping poison. Yeah, like, I let's, know. Let's and I see that. I see that poison. he's hurting and, you know, crying a lot. And my heart just you know, goes out to him because I do still love him on a level of it's, it's a person that I chose to have in my life and was yeah. in my life for this long and um, is the father of my children. And do I would I have loved to have it be a different outcome? Of course. But he's still struggling with it, yeah. you know. And you've and, learned a lot in the meantime. And oh, my God. You've poured yourself into getting healthy yeah. and resources you know, you hear what, these. What else are parts of your program? Right. Like, so you else? hear these stories all the time where people were like, "I went through the pain." It's like childbirth. Uh huh. You know, you go through this excruciating pain, but the outcome. So I. This is how I looked at my story. Is it was excruciating. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was selling house, purging stuff. I wanted to save the crib and all that kind of stuff for my grandchildren. I just had to give it all away. Uh, yeah. I had to kiss it goodbye and just say, uh, this is right now, this is what has to happen. You know, and, um, you know, just, just purging all of that. And um, so diving into, I have number one, find a spiritual practice. Okay. Whether it's yoga, whether it's, you know, meditation, whether it's church, what, whatever it is, find a spiritual practice while you're going through this. And if you have one, double it. Okay. Right? Um, and which is what I, I had a spiritual practice, fortunately, in 2010, uh, hooked up with a great organization, have a, you know, daily Meditation, yoga, spiritual, you know, knowledge practice. Excellent. And I doubled it during yeah. the time that was like, I didn't have enough time on the face of the planet. You know, I had lost 20 pounds because uh, I didn't have time to eat. I just had to keep moving forward, yeah. right? But I stopped every day twice and did my spiritual practice, whether it's 10, 15, 20 minutes. That's great. um, And then I developed each and every night in the midst of, not only was I going through this divorce and having to purge my house and having to figure out how am I going to live, you know, for the next 30 years or whatever I'm granted. Um, But I I was in two car accidents. One totaled my car. Neither of them were my fault in any way. 
one was a 90 year old guy and one was a 20 year old guy Oh, and really, after the really second sad. accident, it was like, okay, throw my hands up. I give up. I yeah. surrender. Let me know what it is. And then my same year, my uh, younger brother, who I was really close to, passed away. Oh, so sorry. It was just Oof. one thing after the next after the next. But in the midst of all that, I developed a, a practice of gratitude. And I did not go to sleep, as tired as I was, until I wrote down at least two or three things I was grateful for that day. Yeah. Which was like an it was like an antidote for you know my my stress. Did you and feel when you would if you did that at night? Would, did you wake up in a good good yes. mindset as a result? Yes, because whatever you go to sleep with is what you wake up with. I love that. I hear. So that um, find some kind of meeting. Yeah. And when Connection's I walked important. into you know that meeting a month after I slipped off my wedding band, I just found a meeting. And I plopped myself down and sobbed through the entire thing because everybody there was telling my story. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm not crazy. This wasn't all my fault. What a relief. Holy cow. That was big. Yeah. That was a huge relief, relief, you know. Um, be as transparent as you can with family members, you know, with, your, it, with a good heart. Yeah. You know, um, ask for help. Yeah. I was trying to purge. If any of you have been in a house for 30 years, you know how much junk there is in every sure. nook and cranny. And I had to get rid of all of it. And my qualifier, when I would put it out to be taken away, I'd come home and find it back into the house because he's like, no, we have to save this. And I'm like, holy cow. So um, anyway, ask for help because finally a friend of mine said, Kate, send an email out to all your friends and ask for help. Yeah. And I did and everybody showed up. People I hadn't seen in a long time showed up. That's fabulous. Helped me pack and do that so ask for help. Don't feel bad about asking they, for they help. It won't come if you don't. You're right. And you'll be amazed about how many people are going through your same issues. Oh, yeah. You know, so um, that, um, you know, just realize, you know, find what you can trust because you lose trust in everything. Yeah. So find things that you can trust in. And, um, so, uh, know that you have choices. Yeah. And the choices will serve everybody around you that you care about. So know that you have those choices. It sounds like at some point you got some good advice or you had an aha moment, but you, because you talked about being controlling and you're trying to fix it, you're trying to make it work, at some point you made the shift to, I've got to take care of myself. I've yeah. got to love myself. I've got to protect myself. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's cliche. It's the old, right. the oxygen mask comes down, you got to put yes, it in before you can help sure. anybody else. Yeah. It's cliche, but it's pretty true, isn't it? It is. I mean, totally all, of this, all of these resources that you're talking about, all this that you did... That's to work on you. Yeah. That's to protect it you. It was, completely. What a blessing when you With, kind of figure that out. Which then, in the end, helps your children or oh, your yeah. loved ones around you, you know, because they could see that I was not in a good place. Well, and, and your alcoholic loved one sees that you're getting healthy and you're making and this decision to protect your own And made him drink health. more. Well, yeah, it can go one of two directions, but it, it definitely, you know, I'm not a big, neither of us are big fans of ultimatums necessarily. And I don't think of getting yourself healthy as an ultimatum, but it's a clear indicator that this is the path I'm moving on. Yeah. And so well put. You either come along or you don't, but I'm not right. threatening you that. Right, I'm right. just, I'm getting myself healthy. Right. And not sit there and wait for them to change. Yeah. 
because that's not where it is. So yeah. you, yes, you decide to make yourself healthy and take care of yourself. And either they will say, ooh, I want to be a part of that, or I can't be a part of that. Yeah. Right? And, and finally, just know that you have absolutely zero control over alcoholism. That's right. Zero. That's whatever right. you say, whatever you do, as right as you think you are, doesn't matter. Yeah, saying it louder isn't going to make it no. better. No, uh-uh. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and you can, and you can detach with love. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to hate them. You know, when you take care of yourself, it's easier to detach with love, saying, I wish you the best, because I do to this day. You know, I love nothing more than to know that he's really sober, but so that's not for me. So here's a here's a final question. Yeah. So you you're, you're very intelligent. You've done a lot of work. You've gotten yourself in a good position. I think you said something earlier to the effect of you know everything happens for a reason. I'm sure that you've spent some time trying to ponder why why this happened to you and and what this. You know, what was this preparing you for? And if I'm putting you on the spot, then I'm sorry. But how do you feel about where you are now going forward for the rest of your life? Um, I mean, I could talk hours about that question. Oh, good. I didn't put you on the spot. <laughs> she was ready. No, it's just that I, you know, in, in my particular spiritual path, I believe that, you know, uh, he came into my life for a reason. So everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't. I didn't picture it for this reason. Right. But I feel like um, you know when I moved through this stuff, and when you decide all of you know when you finally decide, it's almost like the alcoholic has to decide not to drink. You have to decide to make a move. Yes. No matter how scary it is. Yeah. Right. And when I made that decision, you just find this trajectory that you move forward. Right. And what I have found is that. Today, sitting here, you know, and with the two of you, I am the person that I am the strongest I've ever been in my yeah. life. Yeah. I am the happiest I've ever been in my life, even though my friends look at me thinking, how the heck can you be happy? I said, I am because I took control yeah. of my life. Yeah. Right. And so he was put in my life to get me there because otherwise I would have probably gotten lazy. And just not really pushed myself into what I'm doing now. You yeah. know, I'm teaching yoga to seniors and loving it and, you know, getting it on Zoom and, you know, fo- just following my passions. You yeah. know, I feel like a rebirth, right? Yeah. I feel like I've been under a rock. I had been under a rock for 30 years. And I, even the simple thing of going out into lower downtown into a restaurant and, and looking around, I mean, this was before COVID. And thinking, man, there's so much life to live. Yeah. And being so excited about that, you know. Well, and unfortunately, I had to, I mean, I'm the, ideally to stay in the marriage and hopefully it works out like you two did, which is, you know, so great. But I couldn't see that, you know. It, I gave it a lot of time and I couldn't see that well, happening. And, well, what's important, though, is that the loved ones of alcoholics understand that their health is important. And like you said, you can't, you can't make the other person get healthy. No. And, you know, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. We're not here to judge, you know, people present to us a lot situations, you know, here's, here's the situation I'm in. 
and you know we we don't ever say this is what you need to do right. or it's going to work or it's not going to work. Yeah, different I mean, for everybody. It's exactly it's different. But the fact is, there's so many people suffering in silence that don't don't know what gaslighting is and don't yeah. understand any of this, and it's it's tearing them apart. Right. And I think the fact that you're strong and you come on to a podcast like this and you you came with a list of resources to share, I think that's just so commendable and so wonderful because. Um, so many people are living the same story and they're just doing it quietly and yeah. and uh, and you're recovering out loud and that's yeah. tremendously helpful to yeah. so that we can get this this can stop being a thing of hushed whispers and we can start talking for sure full yeah it's nothing to be it. ashamed of on either end not a, not couldn't couldn't agree with you more yeah yeah Kate thanks so much for being here today good and I, my blessings go out to everyone that's going through this yes know that. You will be okay. That was my last point. Know that you will be not just okay, that you will flourish by taking care of yourself. Oh, yeah. what a great point to leave it on. Absolutely. Kate, thanks so much for being with You're us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. For my wife, Sherry Salis, I'm Matt Salis, and this is the Untoxicated Podcast. Thanks for listening.